Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have uh, Ma Steinswick here with me from uh, Stockholm. Welcome to my podcast, Ma. Thank you, Vesna. It's so great to be here. Ma Steinsvik is a European business leader, futurist and investor and the CEO of Bulls Holding and chair of the board of RMB, both international media groups. She is an acknowledged international keynote speaker on technical leaps and their impact around the world. So Ma, let's kick off with, one would say, maybe a quite simple question, but at the same time in these times that we are in, maybe not. What would you define as as businesses and what is what are actually businesses for? That's a great question, Vesna. And I think it's really one that's worth giving some thoughts. For me, business is really a force for good when used in the right way. And also, I think that most entrepreneurs see it in that way. Uh, when I invest in companies, I'm often so struck by the generosity I receive back in the form of knowledge and network and, and tips and so on. Because entrepreneurs and, and leaders, people of all kinds, really want to, to give back. And if you look at it from a psychological point of view, of course, that's when we're really happy. And I think you spoke about the times we're in right now. I mean, we're going through one of the toughest times that we have been experiencing in our lifetimes. And what you see is that people who have their own life secured somehow, they do everything they can to contribute and to give back to society. And what we see now, I think, is for the first time ever, really have the possibility via the technological leaps to make our dreams come true, actually make our business ideas then turn to reality. And it's, you know, I'm so fortunate to be able to work as an investor and and meet all these fantastic people, girls and, and boys, women and men of all kinds who have these passions and when I see them, I, I'm all, all, always struck by the fact that they are such givers. They want to give to the world. How do you find them? How do you? How do they find you? Uh, that's a good question. I somehow I bump into them normally. It's funny. I think it's something with life. You know that when you're ready for something and you start talking about it, and maybe you know I do my keynotes internationally, and then probably someone someone sees it and hears about it and gives someone a tip, and then they and we connect. And normally we connect both on a level of knowledge that is the level of of you know the uh, interest and, and maybe passion for these emerging technologies and what we can do for them and we connect on a personal level with the fact that we want to to, to do good and that we see business as a force for good 
And I think when we speak about that, I think it's interesting also to see how, you know, in earlier times, maybe 50 to 100 years ago, the technologies that were invented, they normally came from, from war. They came from our aggressive side as a human race. And that there was not only the technical innovations, but also organizational innovations like, you know, the hierarchical system and, and the manager in top deciding everything and <clears throat> showing direction with his his in a very clear and, and demanding way over to now when we see that, you know, most innovation like the rise of artificial intelligence, for instance, it came through playing via the games, the online games, because they demanded such an immense processing power to be able to show the graphics needed. So suddenly we go from this aggressively based innovation to a playful and, and joyful uh, source of innovation. So we have that. And then, uh, of course, you know, the uh, innovation made in, in health research and also in exploring space. So uh, I think that it's so important for the world that the entrepreneurs that are emerging now, they come from, from a basis of joy and of, of uh, creativity. Mm. Yeah, and I also find that um, we need more than ever now um, this kind of, let's call it leadership and creativity to be feminine. So, which means, I mean, for me, to be led from like, um, from integrity and from, from life energy. Yes. We need more of that. I totally agree. Yes, and, and when you speak about the uh, male and the female side, I guess it's available in all of us. So... It's not about being, you know, uh, generally being the one or the other. It's more of embracing, I think, daring to be the whole you. So for me, it has been a fantastic balance to be able to, you know, I went to Melia in Cannes in, uh, in the 90s and I saw one of the brains behind the internet. And I was, you know, I was totally starstruck. And after he had explained what the internet was and what it could achieve, I was I was totally mind blown and started to read everything, talk to everyone I could to learn about technical innovation. So for me, that side, I guess, has has been a, a great balance to my obviously, you know, feminine side as a leader and the caring side as a mother and so on. Mm. What did he say? He did one thing. It took about three minutes. So he said to the audience, now I would like you to start clapping your hands. So we all started clapping. And after one minute, the whole audience, or maybe, you know, 500 people clapped in exactly the same rhythm. And it was a beautiful rhythm, you know, like like every fifth heartbeat, something like that. And then he just made us silence and he said that is the internet so he really showed the power in human collaboration i think and also the power in sharing knowledge and what we have created with the internet i mean best if you think about it that 3.5 billion people 
3.5 billion brains will enter the internet. That is, will connect to the human uh, sort of collective brain that we have created. They will connect their brains within the coming maybe three years. And what can we achieve with those uh, dreams and those individual visions? And and, uh, we spoke about thankfulness and, and giving. So I think we will see so much in the coming years in terms of solving global problems and being able to uh, reach a circular business uh, system in the future. In these times, I think it's incredibly, incredibly important for all of us to also decide, you know, who am I becoming during this time or who do I want to become and so on, and then listen a lot and take this kind of, you could say, a pause also to to pause from our own thoughts, which in, in itself gives us more of a, of a freedom and a bigger perspective and so on. And it's so easy to say that, but how can we really do that? Yeah, it's like you say, it's very easy to say it. I started uh, yoga, I think it's 16 years ago now, so it's part of my daily routine. And I think as leaders, it's our responsibility, first and foremost, to make sure that we develop as persons. So personal development, there is really no way around that. And if you do it via yoga or via you know, being out in nature or listening to music, that's not really important, but whatever gives you a sense who you are at your core and forces you to really contemplate what are my values and what is my gift to the world and to every day reflect on how did I do, you know, did I fall back, did I lose my temper, did I... Um, I'm sure you never do that, but <laughs> most of us do, you know. <laughs> I, I do, I do. <laughs> Did I manage to guide people with my leadership or did I think too much about myself? So if we have this in our daily routines and also physically make sure that we stay fit and take care of these uh, amazing systems that our souls inhabit and that are really fragile if we don't take care of our bodies. And I think in in doing this, in giving time to personal development, we become better leaders. And we can also use this time that we have this extra time now to leapfrog the personal development bit a little bit. And also during a time of a crisis, all sorts of feelings emerge. And I can see it on everyone around me. You know, there are all sorts of misunderstandings and fear and anxiety and anger and irritation. So by being a conscious leader and reflecting upon yourself, you can act sort of as a stabilizer and lead with your example during these times. I had a couple of uh, days ago uh, some discussions with a couple of um, CEOs in the US and how they're handling this uh, situation and driving their companies. And they were very focused on 
the term out of balance and just looked at what is out of balance, okay, whether it's people around us, ourselves, or whether it is about the products and services we provide. So if people out there are out of balance, what can we do to to bring back that balance through new products and services, whatever that might be? And I thought that was a very good way of looking at it because if, for example, uh, there is a need for physical touch, okay, so they were even thinking about what services can be provided sooner or later when it's possible to give people back this kind of uh, possibility to physically touch each other uh, beyond, beyond the sort of, so to say, on, on the personal life level, but like that part. And also, what can we give them back so that they get back in? to balance and give them this kind of psychological safety. What can we do with our services and products to, to achieve that? And another thing they were totally, totally focused on was impossible things, like things that they were planning to launch as a service maybe in X number of years. They are now launching in five weeks. They're forcing the organization in a positive sense to put all their energy, not into fear and anxiety and what's going to happen, but force it right into we're going to make this impossible thing happen now. And we are going to do it not only for our survival, we're going to do it because the clients we have out there, they will be so much helped by this. So they said it's about focusing people's energy into something positive, constructive, and it's easier said than done, but they literally were delivering on that and they were extremely successful and they've been... um, also focusing full on to narrow actually their agenda and do fewer but bigger, you could say, initiatives and be very offensive rather than defensive, of course. And then they brought out this incredible importance of communication, like increase the frequency, please increase the frequency of communication, plus make sure it's purpose-led completely. No other communication is relevant. And I thought that was kind of a good, uh, you know, good approach, good advice. That's amazing. And also what you said about being out of balance. If you look at that from another perspective, being out of balance is really having these uncertainty that is also the basis for creativity. So I think when we are experiencing a time of being out of balance, that is when innovation happens. So like you say, as a leader, you need to be able to channel the focus into and not fear from fear and from this feeling of being out of balance to a higher purpose and to innovate good business from that that makes you sustainable and resilient and connects everyone and helps everyone move forward, get a sense of purpose during these times. But Bob, going back to you, you, um, what would you say is your passion you know that that thing that is is so important to you that you're also willing to suffer for it if needed <laughs> well my passion was now my passion is life i love life and i really love the lives of everyone else as well and the possibilities that we have in life so i wake up every day feeling so thankful for for the gift of life but also with this feeling that how can I extend time, you know, to be able to fit everything into it? So uh, within this passion for life, it is about making dreams come true, fulfilling dreams, and specifically then using business as a force for good. And on a more personal level, I guess the passion for wisdom has always been a close, close friend 
you know, something that guides me. And in this quest for wisdom, that can be like, you know, it can be found everywhere and it always hides itself, you know, within a piece of music or, or in the way that birds fly on the sky or in a Nobel Prize winner's talk or in a conversation between friends. So I think it has to do with curiosity somehow to try to find these pieces of wisdoms and also uh, weak signals that indicate the future that lies ahead and then combining them into a sort of a roadmap of where we could go if we choose responsibly and choose wisely. And and, and picking up these, as you say, sometimes also weak, small signals around us of where we are heading, maybe we personally or, you know, we as a society, how do you catch yourself in order to make, make sure that you pick up these signals? I think first, on a personal level, you need to, to work with being extremely open and focused at the same time. And then to be broad, to have a, a broad network of people who think differently, both think differently than you do, but also think differently than the others in the network. And then uh, try to to move into as many fields of of knowledge and of development as possible. So I think combining, for instance, what's happening in in uh, music, what's happening in architecture and in art uh, and literature, of course, with what's happening in the technical fields. So what are, are the physicists doing right, right now? What are the bioinformatics doing right, right now? And uh, what's happening within, you know, within the mechanical, the big mechanical industry? When you connect all these fields, then you can, within your business, within your work, you suddenly get inspiration. Your brain starts working and you see things in a different way than if you just focus 24 hours a day on the running business. And I think you need, you know, 15% of your time as a minimum to do other things than just solving operational issues. And you yourself have transitioned a lot from the, let's say, operations, business operations of your media groups into doing a lot of, of, of this um analysis and searching for these signals. How did it come about? Is that one of your, you could say, transformational points in your life, the moment when you decided to just a little bit step out of the daily operations? Yes, you're right. It's part of a transformational, of course, it's a transformational point, but that's as all points, you know, the point of decision is mostly quite far ahead of the point where it actually happens. So uh, I think it had to do with the fact that I saw that I cannot scale myself if I keep if I keep running the business operationally. I decided that I wanted to uh, let go and to uh, dive out into this amazing world we have in front of us with all the possibilities merging with the digital transformation. But then I saw that, okay, I have to get these 
maybe five big projects in place before that. So I guess it was a process of maybe two or three years because before I I landed in the fortunate position that I am right now and can really, now I can for the first time say that I'm truly living my passion. And congratulations. That's a, uh, an important, a big step. And, and, and obviously, at the end of the day, it's going to also benefit your, your, your media groups. But you mentioned digital transformation, which sometimes it feels like, yeah, everybody knows what that is and what that intends. But I think there is a big uh, challenge there uh, in terms of what that truly is and where it can take us. So what is digital transformation? And what are the typical misconceptions around that? There is both a general understanding that we know which uh, technical transitions are happening right now. But at the same time, I see, it, especially at the sea, sea management level, that people, they know which the technical trends are, but they don't know how they work and they don't know the possibilities they have. So if you zoom out to see what's really driving these, first we have artificial intelligence and really closely connected to artificial intelligence, we have big data or any kind of data. I mean, big data is as important as small data, actually. And then we have the technologies like 5G, for instance, that are emerging to support everything that is being invented with the help of the other technologies. So artificial intelligence, it started, you can read about what happened 60 years ago, but it was not until we had the uh, computer and, and um, the capacity really to the processing capacity and the volumes of data to combine and uh, move into artificial intelligence. And then the next step that came was to uh, stop working with the sort of search-based artificial intelligence to mimicking the human neural system and in doing so mimicking uh, what we define as intelligence. And when this happened, you know, with, with deep learning and reinforcement learning and so on, we moved into a new stage where all computer programs uh, will be at some, some points at least connected to these intelligent system, artificially intelligent systems. So it's not like it's the technology. It's like it's a whole new level. And behind the scenes sort of is the new communication technologies that since 2008 or even before that, uh, you know, with the internet and everything, moved the way we act, the, the way we lived, and has done so now for over 10 years, so that it really, the shift has happened. Okay, so we have the artificial intelligence. We have the next step then is using artificial intelligence in all kinds of robotics. And when we speak about robotics, we think about, you know, these arms moving back and forth and doing something in, in production, for instance. But when you think about the power of, for instance, a nanobot that can be built on organic material and transport a tiny drop of 
of, for instance, cancer, drug and medicine down to a specific cluster of cells and then dissolve itself. So when we speak about robotics, we also need to think about self-driving cars or self-driving anything, especially drones maybe that can transport things back and forth. And with these, we have the what you call IoT, which is uh, Internet of Things, so that these, uh, you know, AI technology, the the robot technology, fills all the gadgets around us, so that we achieve, you know, a um, hyper automated society or company or organization within a smart society. And then we have what we call an augmented life, where as we move around, we are constantly fed with knowledge, fed with tips and support from systems all around you. You know, be it a virtual assistant or just a, uh, while you're typing, you know, that you get the aid to fill in the words you're searching for. And this is enabled by the cloud that we all know about. But what's so important now is the distributed cloud that all these interconnected gadgets, they are not reliant on uh, connectivity with the cloud or processing in the cloud, but they create small distributed systems that support each other and themselves. And also this concept of of distribution or, or distributed entities that is also driving the blockchain technology. So blockchain is also also often misinterpreted as you know the uh, the source of these hyped cryptocurrencies that that are sort of I think most people have an ambiguous uh, view of. So when you look at them we have had the internet for quite some time now and that's fantastic in spreading information. But what the blockchain can do is build value into the system. So you call it that you get an automatic untrust. You know, you you don't need trust in the system because it's always there. You cannot tamper with uh, the value that you built in with blockchain. And then you go, for instance, to that you can track, if you look at sustainability, that you will be able to track the whole chain. So you will see exactly how something is produced. And also you will be able to prove ownership. You will. Uh, there are some really interesting developments going on right now in securing our data, securing our identities and, and the data that we don't want others to track. And and during these times, for instance, when we speak a lot about is it, is it okay to monitor citizens with the help of AI systems that can then be used to, from a dictator, for instance, in totally unmoral ways, then if we use the blockchain to safeguard our data and also to be able to track the use of it and, and stop the use of it, then we will also be able to solve that problem of data being owned by huge corporations or countries then that use them in in a way that is not beneficial for the world. 
And then the third cluster, I'd say, is uh, within communication, you have AR and virtual reality and augmented reality and all the technologies connected there so that we can communicate and we can learn in new ways that uh, only our uh, fancy and creativity will limit in the future. So if you think about, about for instance, uh, the obvious then that a doctor can can simulate operations in in a, a for his brain identical environment to a real environment and you can speed up the processes there and you can also work together then with the robot who is supporting you but then if you move over to uh, the I know you're really interested in education and and how you know a school child from can enter from from a remote village in in Asia uh, via a smartphone and a headset into an an historic event and see it live and learn the language and everything that was used there. And that moves away these institutionalized education systems and, and gets more freedom and individualization into education as well and provides us with the possibility of constant learning. That sort of sums it up, I guess. <laughs> that yeah, that was like a mini mini a great mini lecture we got there on digital transformation. <laughs> it's important because I guess, you know, the the technological the engineers and, and the developers they are so into this and they understand it in in every detail. But the rest of us, we need to understand enough to be able to to guide the developers into what kind of future we want to see and also to understand which parts we can use to create great businesses that are beneficial both for us and, and society and the world as a whole. Yeah, and all, all of that again leads us into you know trust. So that's the like the, the foundation of the whole digital transformation that we can feel that we are doing all of this that is going on uh, as you were describing, but it's done for the right reasons and it's done to really serve us as people and nothing else. What is left uh, in a good way for us uh, humans to do? How can we use? our powers and our creativity for what oh you mean when artificial intelligence takes over everything the meaning of life sort of question <laughs> yeah we all watched matrix didn't we and and started thinking about is it really so that we're living in a matrix i think that the first answer is we don't know anyone who says that they know is not right actually, because how could we know how a future looks that has never, has no element of what we've seen before within within it. But if you look at the Industrial Revolution and how people thought about farming as the only source of, of income and support and, and of work, then uh, now in many countries we're down to two or three percent of the working force are working within agriculture. And if you look at it from that perspective, I think that if we use uh, the technology wisely and responsibly, then it will release 
the great potential that people have within them. Speaking about, you know, the 3.5 billion people that will have access to via MOOCs and, and other platforms and sources of knowledge, they will have the resources needed to fulfill their dreams. So I think that we should not underestimate the human capability of innovation and creativity. And also I think most of us long and yearn for more time to pursue the purpose of life and to support others in doing the same. You know, guide global leaders to transformation, but also guide everyone around us towards a meaningful life. So I think creativity and knowledge and and also everything that takes care of others within healthcare or supports them and augments their lives, that will be something that will flourish in the future. And also people will work supported by these systems. So my vision at least is that all these jobs will not be lost, but they will be enhanced and made easier by the emerging technologies. But of course, uh, the fundamental point is, will we as leaders and will we as humanity be able to focus development on solving the big global problems and on using their technology to augment people's lives? So it's it's a big choice. Speaking about transition points, here we are, humanity. <laughs> yeah, we're living, have the fortune to live in extremely interesting uh, times, actually. Yes, we do, really. And and just when we are at this, um, regarding using companies and businesses as an instrument for fantastic change. So, is there like a long term formula or solution uh, for all companies out there that you believe in? Yes. A long-term solution for business right now, I have three points that I think are fundamental and they are quite hands-on actually. So first of all, make sure that you are a value-driven organization. I mean, like the work you do best now to help people to find their uh, why, to find their purpose and really live it so that you have the culture. Because once you have the culture in place, you can set the goal and you can count on that people who are attracted to you as talent will be able to work in the di- right direction. So that's really fundamental. And the second thing is make sure that you're fully data-driven. So just kick out all the old systems uh, or kick out, you know, change them step by step and make sure that you build a digital or virtual twin of the organization that you have. And I think there. There is so much available right now. So just see the system as a module based so that you pick modules from the best sources of software as a service and combine them in a way that supports your system perfectly and is also adaptable to the change that you see will come in the future. And then uh, thirdly, make sure that you have done the whole transition towards a a customer-centric organization and uh, that you have done that in a practical sense. So you are really, you're doing your whole business from the perspective of your fans and friends 
your clients. And that's easy to, oh, I think all of these three points being value-driven, data-driven and customer-centric, it's easy to say, but that's another thing to really making sure that you have done it and that you continue to do it constantly. Great. Thanks for, for sharing that. But if we dream a little bit and just assume that you literally have all doors open to you and all kinds of resources available to you, is there one thing that you would definitely rush to innovate or change then? Yes, but Vesner, you know, that's the thing that we have all sources available, all resources available to us at this moment, and all doors are open. So actually it started. So uh, I uh, co-found a platform for a business that guide them and help them in these transition towards a circular economy by sharing knowledge, uh, sharing research, doing custom-made custom-made action plans, for instance, and also providing a platform for communication and for collaboration in this field. So uh, I'm really excited about this. It's called Action for Future, and uh, I can't wait to to launch that. And of course, you know, use with the use of artificial intelligence and so on, make this a really helpful tools for companies that are are moving into the future. And uh, why I choose this project, you know, you asked about the one thing that that I would innovate. It is because I see that most business leaders like you and me really want to do good, to use business as a force for good. And of course, you know, earn money and support themselves and everyone around them as well. But uh, there is this passion for creating something of value. And when it comes to circularity, everyone knows that if we don't have a a working environment, we're out of business directly. So it's in everyone's interest. But it's so hard to get there because the moment you start speaking about sustainability and circularity and what you do as a company, then you're sort of questioned because it's been used so much just with the words instead of actions. So I think what the world uh, companies need to reach these circular business models is really to have a platform to do that collaboratively. And uh, I listen, you know, to your fantastic professor, Verganti is his name, isn't it? Who who spoke about collaboration and, and the infinite mindset and so on, how important it is to to mimic uh, or copy the behavior of researchers and share data among those actors, those companies and organizations who work on solving the same problems. But you don't have to share your ideas, your business secrets, the one thing you, you think is really unique about you, but you share knowledge and information, you discuss and in doing that, you can also communicate to the markets and the clients and so on what you're doing in a way that is trustful and authentic. Yeah, and 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 as as if, if we if we cooperate, we we also build a bigger pie, whatever market pie we have, right? So we build a bigger pie, and we also but we share a smaller piece, but the pie is bigger. So there's like nobody's losing. No, exactly. I love that picture of the five as It's fantastic. <laughs> That's the mindset, the shift of mindset we need to do to go from this 
restriction-based mindset that we think that it's always too little of everything probably has to do with something our childhood, you know, some Freudian explanation to that. But moving over to uh, the theory of availability, that as long as we collaborate and, and take responsible decisions, there is really enough for everyone out there to uh, have a good life. Is there one particular um, advice that uh, you want to give to leaders, however you uh, define those? Be a leader. I think a lot of leaders uh, don't think about what it takes to be a leader. And I can't say that I'm perfect in that sense every day either. So we all have to think about, you know, how... how um, I think about it a lot because I do a lot of of uh, outdoor sports, like sort of extreme sports without uh, risk. <laughs> so, for instance, when you're out in the win winter in the mountains and you walk for, for days, you know, on skis above the tree level, it's it's really somehow risky that, that strong winds or, or extreme cold and so on would come. So you get to try your leadership skills during quite hard uh, circumstances. And then the first thing is, of course, always to keep track of north. You need to keep your direction, the true north, always. But then if you see in these groups that are out there together, that if you're If you are a good leader, you will set the direction, you will find a person who is able to hold the direction, and then you will move back and be the last one to walk, because then you will make sure that no one gets left behind and that the whole group stays together. So I think that's really important as a leader to, to see where is True North, get the direction, but then also be able to use your empathy and use your belief in other people and your ability to make them grow, to go behind, you know, as a leader and make sure everyone is on board. Good advice. Thank you. And what about advice to yourself? I don't know, 10, 10 or 15 years ago or something? What would it be? <laughs> uh, that's easy as well. My, my advice to myself would be to let go And to understand that letting go is not uh, failing or, or uh, not living up to responsibilities. So I developed this model for myself that learn something and then as soon as you have learned how to do it, or you, you know, if it's a project or something, as soon as it's set up and you are sort of starting to feel comfortable in doing that, then you train someone to do exactly that thing and then you let it go go and move on to new projects, projects that you don't know how to do yet. And the, the reason why I had to develop this model was that I noticed that I, I wanted to do so much, you know, that I uh, tended to spread myself too thin, which also had effects uh, on on uh, health, of course, and so on, that it's not sustainable for anyone to just keep adding things. So uh, the advice would definitely be to let go as soon as it's possible, train someone else, hand it over, and then move on to other great and exciting projects. 
what do you think is the most important thing for companies to focus on right right now? I spoke before about about these three parts value driven data driven and customer centric and to be able to do that, I think what we spoke about earlier to really focus on uh, learning the digital transformation, the tools and also understanding how they can help you fulfill your dreams as company and to start experimenting on them. That would be my advice because it's also is that uh, what I see that most companies don't give enough time right now. So it's sort of, that's really a hygiene factor to know your digital possibilities and that you have developed this digital or virtual twin of the organization. But it's hard to pick one, Lesna. There is so much that's important for companies to do right now. But this would be sort of the thing you need to be able to move forward and do other things. So my, my final question to you is, is this one. Um, what do you think the world needs most at this time? Well, what I would say that the world needs most at this time is action. I think we're, you know, we're done talking now. I think all of us know exactly what to do and why we need to do it and even how to do it. So just let's act and act from a place of good faith, of thankfulness and of wisdom and just get it done, solve the problems and do it together. Great, great ending, Ma. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And thanks for sharing uh, uh, everything, really. I will post uh, links and, and, and show notes on uh, corporateunplugged.com. So uh, if people want to find out more about you and everything you do and so on, they can head to, uh, to that website, margaretasteinsvik.com. Yes, please do. I love communicating. <laughs> and I, I just want to... Uh, remind people also to uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also share this very episode with people you know would benefit from hearing uh, Ma. Please rate also and review the podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you so, so much for listening. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao, Ma. Thank you, Vesna. Ciao.